0: This is the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Now, here are your hosts, Jeff Sharon and Eric Lopez. Welcome to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast, and it is our 2022 Black and Gold Banneret Awards. I'm Jeff Sharon along with Eric Lopez. We also have Bryce Turner. And stat boy Drew himself, Andrew Glukov, with us. The uh, I can never remember the name when I'm, tra- when I'm right in the middle of it. The uh, Leroy Jenkins of UCF Twitter Mafia is with us here on, uh, on for our war trip. This is going to be a pretty quick one. You know, we didn't have that much news to talk about this week, thankfully. Um, you know, I'm sure there will be more next week as we begin, uh, as we're going to have media days for the AAC. Uh, we're hopefully going to have a media day pretty soon for UCF football. We're still waiting on the date for that, but uh, as of, as of when we're publishing this on Friday, July 22nd, but let's go ahead and dive right in. Now, uh, just a little recap to make sure that we, uh, 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 by the way, before we get gentlemen, are you dressed in your, in your award show best for this occasion?
1: Yes, sir. We're making yeah, it I'm work.
2: Like- by the way, the reason Kyle's not here is, uh, we wanted to avoid him and Drew having a Will Smith, Chris Rock, uh, you know, awards <laughs> moment here.
0: Especially uh, especially well, regarding especially regarding members of the UCF former members of the UCF women's basketball team.
3: I mean, if we go by true history, I mean I was I you know we once he and I once got into a bar fight and I was one who decked him. <laughs> so I guess we'll go with that.
0: Oh god. <laughs> uh oh my god. I don't even want to know. We're gonna have to discuss that at a later date. All right, so let's <laughs> dive in. We have twenty six awards that we passed out. Um, that we are going to pass out on this show. Uh, just to recap how the voting went, of course, each of us on the Black and Gold Banner at staff gets one vote, and then we put it out to a fan poll, and the, and the winner of the fan poll gets one vote. And the way we determine the winner is whoever obviously gets the most votes on the staff wins the award. If it's tied, the fan vote winner serves as the tiebreaker. All right? So... Without further ado, let's dive right in. Uh, Coach of the Year awards. We've got two of them uh, Women's uh, Coach of the Year, Men's Coach of the Year. Uh, we begin with the Women's Coach of the Year. Uh, our nominees for this award uh, Coach Abe from basketball, Coach Cindy Ball Malone from softball, Coach Todd Dagenet of UCF volleyball. The winner, Cindy Ball Malone uh overwhelmingly with the uh with the victory she uh she had what five votes six votes including she including winning the fan vote and uh cindy ball the coach of the year eric lopez i always defer to you on softball not a surprise here
2: no this was an easy choice but not even close with respect to the rest of the coaches who did great jobs but they were not, of course, picked third in their own conference before the season with a young roster replacing their all-time leader in wins. Winning 49 games, regular season title, tournament title, host a regional, win a regional, national seed, highest ranking in program history—pretty remarkable job for her.
0: Yeah, I also forgot Dana Boone was also a nominee. But you know, Cindy, Cindy Bumlow, when you get to the, when you get to the super regionals for the first time, you get to the second weekend of the NCAA tournament in your sport, you're gonna win. Um, men's Coach of the Year, this was unanimous. Uh, our nominees were uh, were Gus Malzahn from football, Greg Lovelady from baseball, Bryce Waller from men's golf, uh, and uh, Scott Calabrese from men's soccer. The winner, uh, unanimous winner, for Men's Team Coach of the Year, Gus Malzahn in his first season at UCF, uh, taking UCF to a bowl game, beating the Florida Gators, uh, and really coming within two plays and I'm gonna defer to you to this uh, defer to you on this Andrew coming basically within two plays of an 11 win season possibly even winning the division this year uh, it, it, uh, really and, and concerning the coaching job that he did with losing all the players to injury just a remarkable coaching job by Gus
3: Well I wouldn't be winning the division it'd be coming up number two but still, uh, you know, there was a, a number of close games, a lot of 50 50 games in this year, but you know, Menz as a whole was down, and, and his program was the only one that was really up.
0: Yeah, and uh, and, and uh, great job with him. Congratulations to uh, congratulations to Gus. So, those are our two head coaches of the year, Cindy Ball Malone, Gus Melzon. We also passed out awards for assistant coach of the year. We start with the uh, women's teams Our nominees for Women's Assistant Coach of the Year, Glenn Smith of Track and Field, Whitney Jones of Softball, Jenny Maurer of Volleyball, uh, Coach Cummings from Women's Soccer, and Tani Bellario from Women's Basketball. Our winner, and this one went to the fan vote. This was our first tiebreaker here, uh, It is tied with Whitney Jones, but the fans voted for Jenny Maurer of uh UCF volleyball as the women's sports assistant coach of the year once again coaching UCF to record numbers on offense um and doing a phenomenal job on recruiting this one was a tough one uh Bryson I'll, I'll defer to you on this one. this one is this is a really tough one there's some good nominees here um you know at, but Jenny got the but Jenny gets the win thanks to the fan vote
1: yeah, I think it has to do with the fact that she brought amb- with Amber Olson and McKenna Melville. This, that combination was absolutely deathly to opposing defenses this season. And they'll be back for, an- for another season. So her contributions to this UCS volleyball team cannot be understated at all. But Whitney Jones, of course, hitting coach, did a m- magnificent job with softball. It was, th- I think that's one of the reasons why And ended up being a tiebreaker. Way the way it is, both of them got four votes. So the fan vote serves as the tiebreaker to get for Jenny Mauer to get the win. Both coaches are very well deserving, and so I'm glad. But Jenny Mauer, I'm glad the volleyball got some spotlight because they did. They had a really great season. Historic offense. I mean, McKenna Melville,
2: number one in the country in score in scoring and points, and of course uh, among there in kills. Amber Olson, the setter of the year. That's Jenny Maurer's offense. She brought him in. Uh, I think that's the difference maker. They were UCF's offense. Might have yeah. been the best in the Dagenet era ever.
0: Not to mention the bigs who also stepped up this year. Claudia yeah. Dillon who came in you know, from Mizzou. Uh, and they're due to have another big year again.
2: Also, so worth so pointing out, all of these votes were taken prior to Whitney Jones uh, leaving for Ohio State. So that did not have any impact on the voting, nor should it. We'll get into that. I have a feeling that'll come up later on.
0: <laughs> that may be a factor. Maybe a factor later on. Men's team assistant coach of the year. Our nominees uh, for men's coach of the year, a uh, men's assistant coach of the year, Travis Williams, the defensive coordinator for UCF football. Ted Tom, the hitting coach for UCF baseball, and Paul Souders from men's soccer. The winner. It was almost unanimous, not quite, but almost unanimous. And the winner of the fan vote, T. Will, UCF football. Drew the the leaps and bounds. I thought that UCF's defense made in their first year under T. Will and Mount and coach Malzahn compared to 2020, huge, huge improvement.
3: Not only huge improvement, but there was definitely on the field, but off the field, there was major morale improvements. And you could talk to players, especially during the early parts of of fall camp and whatnot about the, the cohesiveness and family. And and some have said they didn't have that before. As we know uh, the prior and regime actually had a split hiring head coach was hired separately from the defensive coordinator, both hired by Danny White. So it wasn't like, uh, in this case, T will is Gus Melzon's guy. Randy Shannon was Danny White's guy, not Josh Heupel's guy that actually caused some, some friction in itself. We don't have that now. And he really embraced that and brought family to the table.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You could see, I mean, I think back to that Memphis game in 2020, And the real division that you started to see between the offense and the defense. And I thought that was gone now, you know, and, and, and it's, that's a, it's a great point. It's, 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 it's pretty remarkable because, you know, it wasn't all that long ago. Right. It feels like a lifetime. Yeah, it does. Yeah. I mean, and that kind of shows you, I think, you know, why T-Will was the choice. Uh, Alumnus of the year, alumnus slash alumna of the year. Uh, This goes to, the uh, former UCF knight, who's shown uh, who's shown remarkable achievements uh, on uh, on the field of play, post their UCF career, are nominees for this award: Gabe Davis of the Buffalo Bills in the NFL, Sean Johnson of NYCFC in MLS, Matthew Wright of the uh, in the NFL, formerly at the Jacksonville Jaguars, and weightlifter Matty Rogers, who made the Olympics. Uh, this one was tough. Our, uh, fan, uh, our, our fan winner was, uh, Maddie Rogers, but, uh, the overall winner of the award, uh, this one was, pr- again, pretty close, Sean Johnson of NYCFC. This was really close between Sean, Gabe, and Maddie. Um, but Sean, I think, won it by, by basically one vote. And, look, you, uh, five, it was five, three, two? Is Four, three, two. Was? Four, three, two, yeah. So, um... Uh, Congrats to Sean. And listen, first UCF player to win an MLS Cup. He was the starting goalkeeper for NYCFC uh, and was absolutely pivotal in their run to the Cup, especially in the championship game. And and Eric, I know you want to talk about this. Uh, You know, Sean, we saw that talent. A while ago, like you know, you know, like fifteen years ago, he was at UCF. He was
2: the highlight, yeah. When he was here with this a couple years at UCF uh, before going pro. I mean, his game has risen to a different level. I think he's the best goalkeeper in the MLS. He's the best goalkeeper in the United States. He's probably going to get screwed out of the World Cup because of politics, but he's to me right now he's the best UCF pro athlete in any sport. He's played at a high level, uh, even this year. He's only allowed the second fewest goals in the MLS. He's got a yeah. chance to lead him to back-to-back MLS titles. Credit to Maddie Rogers in the fan vote, by the way. She was tremendous. Yeah. That, that's awesome too. By the way, this was a record-breaking year for the Banny Awards. I mean, I mean, we have this, just incredible fan support. So appreciate the voting on that. On that, but uh, Sean has been incredible, well deserving of the award, Uh, edging out Matty Rogers. I think it was uh, to me either him or Matty Rogers. I would have been fine with it was close, but uh, uh, Sean has been incredible.
1: I mean, when you get an MLS Cup MVP, I mean, it's hard not to not to get the win here.
0: In in uh, and you win not just that, but you win the you win the match in PKs with two saves. Yeah, too. I mean, that's. Go, go back and watch that performance, folks. If you want to see what Sean Johnson was able better, to Better well, you better now before it. he goes
1: to Apple and nobody sees it. NYC, Wait. by the way, NYC now in the 2022 MLS season, NYCFC has the second least goals allowed in the entire league. Yep,
0: Sean Johnson, comeback player of the year. This goes to a UCF athlete who came back from an injury or other sort or other illness that and uh, and performed uh, above and beyond the call of duty. Our nominees this year for Comeback Athlete of the Year. Uh, there it is. Okay. Diamond Battles from women's basketball. Remember, suffered that knee injury at the uh, in the NCAA tournament last year. Kennedy, seriously, a softball, who also suffered a knee injury. Alex Freeland for baseball. And Trillian Coles for uh, football, who suffered a, 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 a Achilles injury. That was pretty devastating. Um, yeah, this one was tough, you know, because... All these performances were really were really remarkable, and I thought award-worthy, but uh, the winner, Diamond Battles of uh, UCF Women's Basketball. Yes, she's now at University of Georgia, but let's not forget all the things that she was able to do uh, for UCF Intertime her time here, particularly last year. Defensive Player of the Year in the American, overall Player of the Year in the American. Um, her place, I think, in UCF basketball's legacy um, is solidified, uh, and uh, and Bryson, I want to defer to you just how much you know Diamond really meant to uh, meant to this program.
1: Well, Diamond, I think because we all were were excited when all um, all of the leading players came back for this season, but Diamond is the leader of that group. She is the one that fas- just leads and facilitates all of the passing and really makes this team work. She, she's like the, she's the one that really controls all the cogs in the machine that coach Abe built and her, her improvement, by the way, with the, with going beyond the arc that of course also helped as well. I mean, you can't, there's just, there's no really words to say how important diamonds contributions were to this team to get to where they are today.
0: They, I, I, I think back to that first round game against Northwestern that UCF lost in the NCAA tournament. And when she, you know, she was supposed to be the, the, uh, the ace in the hole for UCF in that game. When she went down with that injury, I thought, oh, man, we're not going to see Diamond Battles for at least a year. And she fought back, got back in time for the start of the season, and was just her best self and we bet, wish her the best of luck at the University of Georgia. We're going to miss her a lot. We're going to miss everybody from that team who went to Georgia a lot. but
2: Not as much as Kyle will.
0: Not as much as Kyle will. That's right.
2: Hang uh, there, Kyle.
0: <laughs> uh, breakout Athlete of the Year. We have a women's and a men's categories for this one. This goes to a UCF athlete who really burst onto the scene from one year to the next. Uh, For the women's uh, on the women's side for breakout athlete of the year, Jada Cody of softball, Amber Olson, of volleyball, Destiny Thomas, women's basketball, Latasha Smith of track and field and Justine Molina of UCF softball. Those are your nominees. The winner of women's breakout athlete of the year. I think this was no surprise to anybody. Jada Cody of UCF softball, Eric Lopez. She was a legend this year.
2: That's an understatement. Uh, Just a, exploded in the scene in the sport of softball, All-American, breaking Stephanie Bess's 19-year-old record for RBIs. Nobody's even come close to that uh, prior to Jada Cody. And, you know, me and Bryson have argued off the air about this, whether she should be in this category. The reason she is is, yeah, she was a really good player last year. But she went from a good player to a great player this year to the point where now that I said that she went
0: from a good player that only Eric Lopez knows to a great player that every UCF fan knows.
2: You're right. She is probably among the most popular right now female athletes on the UCF campus. Uh, And of course, just making news this week, joining Team USA, she's going to be the first UCF player ever to play for Team USA, the red, white, and blue, this August against Japan in an All-Stars series. So yeah. she's breaking barriers, uh, making it All-American, leading to the postseason. It's pretty remarkable.
0: Yeah. And that's the senior national team. That's, not, that's not the collegiate national team. That's the U.S. senior national team. The senior
2: soccer. national team. To put that in perspective, I looked this up. There's only been a handful of Team USA, uh, UCF players that have played for Team USA, Sean Johnson among them. Uh, right. But the last couple, uh, only been a couple others, that have played for Team USA while being a student athlete. Jada Cody joins Kim Wyant, the goalkeeper for UCF Women's Soccer, and some lady named Michelle Akers. Ever heard of her? She's pretty yeah, good. She
0: she might have been pretty good back in the day from what I hear.
2: Yeah, pretty um, good company.
0: The uh, Men's Breakout Athlete of the Year. Uh, nominees for this award, four of them. Ryan O'Keefe for football, two baseball guys, Andrew Sunday in Orlando, and Teddy T-Tack of men's golf, the winner. Uh, And this was, well, no, it wasn't unanimous. It was, but uh, pretty, he won the fan vote as did J. Cody, by the way. Uh, And I thought this was, this was as obvious as it gets. Ryan O'Keefe from UCF football Uh, drew Ryan O'Keefe ended his season. Uh, What I appreciated was the fact that he, his team asked him to step up and he did that in spades when, Dylan Gabriel went down, and Mikey Keene took over as the starting quarterback. Gus Malzahn's entire MO on offense was, look, we are going to get the ball to our best playmakers. And remember, Jalen Robinson got hurt, too, in the same game against Louisville. And the best playmaker on the team at that point was Ryan O'Keefe. And he stepped it up, helped out the true freshman quarterback. And just the cherry on top was that performance in the Gasparilla Bowl.
3: Absolutely, and, and the signs for this were from day one in the spring game where he looked fantastic and, you know, uh, the player that was supposed to be the number one guy, Jalen Robinson, largely struggled. And it just built from there. You know, he just clicked in the Gus Melzon offense and he took a lot of extra time uh, with Mikey Keen working on building chemistry. You know, that's, that's what, you know, the good player to become a great player has to do. And it culminated in... A, in a bowl game where he flat out dominated. I mean, he was everywhere. You had the return yards to it. He had more total yards than any other player on the field, including Florida's quarterback. When you take return yards into, into consideration, I mean, he was all over the place.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, it, it was really fun to see him step into that. And, and, it, you know, a lot of times I thought that he knew, you know, as the season went on, I think defenses knew even right away that like, look, this is the guy that Gus is going to get the ball to. And not only did he still manage to get himself open and so many opportunities to make plays for this team when they really needed it. You know, he took a lot of hits this year too.
3: He also helped facilitate. By being that number one guy, he allowed a guy like Brandon Johnson to become a touchdown machine in the Reds. Yep. Yep. Uh, that's, that's not coincidence.
0: All right. Uh, so there's your two breakout athletes of the year. Jada Cody for the women, Ryan O'Keefe for the men. Now let's move over to senior of the year. This award goes to... A player who was in their final year at UCF, who you know may not have been the biggest contributor statistically, but was somebody who their teammates really respected, was a real leader for their team, and someone who will remember for their contributions uh, as a, as a senior member of uh, of their athletic team. So, men's and women's on the men's side are nominees for Senior of the Year: Cole Schneider for football, Noah Orlando for baseball, men's golf, Teddy T-Tac, and Mauricio Villalobos of Men's Soccer and the winner of the Men's Senior of the Year Award. Uh, also the winner of the fan vote, Noah Orlando of uh, UCF Baseball. An Orlando native for the city, right? Edgewater High School graduate, was a uh, was a two-year uh, player at Palm Beach State College, came back home, uh, and in his final year uh, hit 322. 26 runs batted in eight homers, seven doubles uh, and uh, in 54 games. And, you know, was really kind of the, the, uh, and and I'll go to Bryson on this one. He was really the linchpin of UCF's lineup, both at bat and in the field too.
1: Oh yeah. Noah in a year where the bats were a little slow to get started. Noah was one of the few batters that were going from day one. I, I, I was very impressed, and very impressed with how much he really kind of broke out. That's why he was nominated for break- for breakout athlete, the breakout athlete, because he basically went from not being a mainline starter at all before this season. Noah only ha- only had twenty starts total, yeah. and then yeah. he had. And, and last then- year he
0: hit one eleven.
1: Yeah, yeah, th- and yep. In 30 games, 11 starts, he hit 111, and now he goes and hits 322 in his senior season. He made the most out of his final season, and and Coach Lovely was able to get him in the lineup. He was a DH a lot this year, but he but one of the main things that I think really helped is that he served as the backstop when Alex Freeland was out for over four months with his injury. He played 19 times. At shortstop, at shortstop this year when Alex Freeland went down. And as Alex mentioned when we talked to him upon his return, he did a great job doing it. And so he he proved to be a, a guy that stepped up when the team needed him to. And I think that really deserves him not only for being nominated for breakout and doing solid with that award, but I think senior of the year is where he truly shines because when the younger player got hurt, the the elder guy was like all right i'll take i'll take over and i'll keep it warm for you
0: all right so congratulations to noah job well done uh on this uh senior year for him as well women's senior of the year this was a uh this was a volleyball and softball heavy category two softball players gianna mancha and denali shop two volleyball players in ann marie watson and narissa Moravik, and one basketball player in Masani kaba the winner of Women's Senior Athlete of the Year. Uh, Believe it or not, her teammate won the fan vote, but she won the overall vote. Denali Schapacher won the fan vote, but the winner of the award overall, Gianna Mancha Eric Lopez, who uh, stepped in and, and has already
2: started her professional career. Yeah, she's been playing in the WPF for the Vipers. In fact, this week she faced off against Monica Abbott, the Monica Abbott, in a pitcher's duel. So that's a cool story for her to say. She's been pitching very well. the way, anyway, this is a loaded – all the women's categories. This, this was week. hard. This one oh, was really my goodness. hard. Uh, you mentioned Denali. Well-deserved top ten in the all the categories. The Sarasota News picked it up. <laughs> so this is a big, big story there. But Gianna's a great choice, too. I mean – obviously was the ace of the team and as anybody that's followed UCF softball it always starts in the circle and pitching and uh as we're gonna see in this episode pitching was a big big was rewarded and it started with Gianna Mancha. she was the ace she threw a couple no hitters she set the tone uh it was had an incredible year the best year of her career and helped them lead to all the success with conference championships and the postseason run
0: yeah we're going to miss her. She was fantastic uh, for you. Shout out basketball.
2: to uh, uh, Anne-Marie Watson and Narissa Moravik, who were phenomenal. I mean, Watson, a local one as well uh, yep. in that category. Yeah, this, High this, School. yeah, I mean, this is, you know, we always say this every year, but this year we really do it looking back. This is the strongest year. When you look at the women's categories, very tough to pick. And a lot of these categories was very highly debated and very close voting. Maybe the closest ever. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, No. No. no doubt about it. And I think that continues on also with the freshman of the year awards uh, as well. We'll start with the women's freshman of the year award. Our nominees: Ashley Griffin for softball, Sophia Viola of women's tennis, Zoe Allow of women's golf, and another softball player, Michaela Macario, uh, for the freshman of the year. Boy, this one was another tight one between your UCF uh, softball players, but the winner goes to uh, the win goes to uh, Ashley Griffin. She won the fan vote. And she won the uh, staff vote as well. And it was the fans who gave her uh, the nod with that tiebreaker, Eric Lopez. But, you know, again, this was a really, this was another really, really tough one uh, for all of us here on these these women's awards
2: categories. What a year for women's sports at UCF. Tell me about it. I stayed up till three in the morning to figure this out. Um, (laughs) So, look, I mean, Michaela McCarthy won the freshman of the year in the American. But if you look at the postseason and I think this is where the fans kind of were influenced. Ashley Griffin had a heck of a postseason, hit nearly 400. Uh, hit. She was a really quiet, like yes. important yes. part of that
0: lineup late in the season.
2: No doubt. After the first month of the season where she kind of was learning, you know, playing in a Division One level, she took it to a different level. She would have these quiet big hits. You know, I would think back to the RBI double to tie the game against Virginia Tech to set up the extra inning drama. Uh, even in the postseason. She hit the home run against Michigan in the in the regional final to really kind of break the game open and push the cushion. Yeah, what she a moment dro-
0: that was, too.
2: She drove in to run to get him on the board in the winner's bracket game against Michigan. She just had big hits in the postseason run. Uh, Macario, defensively, was fantastic. He could have given it to any of these players, but you know, I think Griffin's a well-deserved uh, winner on this yeah. award. Uh,
0: Men's freshman of the year. This one was also pretty tough. And we had some uh, good diversity here in this. Mikey Keene, quarterback for UCF football. uh, Lex Bodecker of baseball. And Andrew Sundeen from baseball. And Darius Johnson of uh, men's basketball. uh, In the final vote for uh, men's freshman of the year. This one was pretty tight. Uh, Went 4-3-2. But the winner from UCF men's basketball, Darius Johnson. And uh, Bryson... You know, it was a it, maybe this year did not end the way that you. Well, we know for a fact it did not end the way that that the fans wanted for UCF men's basketball. But one of the main, especially with a lot of movement on this roster, but one of the the key cog that there that Johnny Dawkins is building this team around is that young point guard Darius Johnson. He showed a he showed such tremendous growth throughout the course of the season, didn't
1: he? Oh yeah. So the. This, in my opinion, is the strongest male men's category in this bannies, because when you look at uh, when you look at Sundin, Johnson, Keene and Bodecker, all of them, I think, show, show uh, did such great jobs in their first year. And I can't wait to see what they will do in the future. But in the case of Darius, I think Darius ha- proved how indispensable and at the core he is to this to this team growth uh, grow. I mean when you look at the players because men's basketball has basically made a really huge shift in the roster this season some of the, the there are not many people from last t- teams that stayed but one of the key ones that did were Darius Johnson and and also CJ Walker which if you remember from earlier in the season when things got a little bit heated on the bench Darius Darius was the one that separated CJ Walker from the rest of the, from the rest of the thing and i think that really showcases how much i think respect that he's gotten with cj and the yeah. bond between them and not just I him think- but
0: the rest of the team too you could tell oh. that, the team, that the that the 18 year old kid they really by the end of the season you could see how much they really respected his ability and his leadership on the floor
1: oh yes i've been here i i believe if i remember correctly people have been talking about how he plays like a veteran and I think that that's a, a big moniker for why he got this got this award. It's just his first season, but he's playing like a veteran. And now that he now that the rest of the seniors are have now re- exhausted their eligibility or left elsewhere, he can now really take that leadership control of this of this team. And I think we can see this unit gel much better than I think they did last year.
0: Yeah, and it's all because it and
1: it's all because of Darius.
0: Uh, let's look, let's move over to Transfers of the Year. Men's Transfer of the Year are nominees in that award category. Brandon Johnson for football, Connor Stain for baseball, Sheik Mbake-Jong of men's basketball, and Nick Taylor of men's soccer. This is a really strong category too, I think. We had some really good performances for some transfers this year. Um, the winner, however, of Men's Transfer Athlete of the Year, he won the fan vote and he won the overall vote as well. And uh, I'm really gonna miss this guy because he was really he was really fun to watch. And uh, Drew, you mentioned it before, Brandon Johnson, wide receiver for UCF football, took advantage of you know the attention that Ryan O'Keefe was getting on the other side of the field to score 11 touchdowns on 38 catches, 565 yards. Actually, managed to sneak himself I think into the top 15 all time at UCF and touchdown catches in just one season. Uh, the son of the great Charles Johnson, uh, former MLB catcher Eric Lopez, Florida Miami Marlins fan, very big fan of that guy. I'm a huge. I was a huge Charles Jans- Johnson fan. One of one of the biggest thrills, in fact, after senior night when I went down and I I actually met Brandon and his dad Charles and I was like Charles Johnson. And he was and he was like surprised that, he got, that I kind of recognized him and, was, and and I had a really good conversation with the two of them, father and son. And, um, and, and I told them they both laughed at this. I was like, it's like, it's nice to be in a family that's known for catching things, uh, and has a natural ability to do that for, for sure. And Brandon Johnson really did that in spades this year, Drew. He was fantastic.
3: Well, we, and we knew he can do it. He did. He had a good sophomore year. I believe it was team leader in receiving at Tennessee before he kind of got stuck in the doghouse, come over to UCF, played a very pivotal senior role. He was going to be the number three wide out, moved up when, when Jalen Robinson went down and never gave it up. And it was because he was so dependable, especially yeah. in the red zone. I mean, 11 receiving touchdowns. and You look at the, that number and it just jumps out of the page. He, he was dependable. And when you have a freshman quarterback who's, you know, still working on letting the game slow down, still trying to build confidence, dependability is the best thing you can offer and he made a lot of tough catches, a lot of good sideline catches that he's tiptoeing in there. He was Chris
0: Cartering his way to the end zone a lot of times there, you know. And that's what you want from a, from a fifth-year senior receiver who's playing with a true freshman quarterback, right? Mm-hmm. You got to help your guy out because that's going to build his confidence.
3: Well, and, and the thing is, you know, the quarterback's job, throw it where either the receiver gets it or nobody gets it. And he's just one of those guys who's able to make very difficult catches and the results speak for themselves.
0: Yeah. So, congrats to Brandon. Very fitting, by the way.
2: Very fitting. Twenty-five years ago, the old man Charles Johnson wins the World Series for the Marlins against a team we won't mention who they beat. (sighs) Closure. Turn (laughs) on. And now his son wins a Banny's Award.
3: Huh? Twenty-five years apart.
2: I know. I know. It's something. I'll
0: tell you. We
3: take the award back now (laughs) if we can switch the World Series. (laughs) No, no, it's too
0: late. Too late. That's not going to happen. Uh, Women's transfer of the year. Our nominees uh, in this category came uh, a Woodall of softball, Claudia Dillon of volleyball, Brittany Floyd of track and field, and Janisha Rowe for softball. Again, two softball players. And sometimes Eric Lopez, I get a little worried when we see two players from the same team. Kind of, you know, because you because you think, oh man, they're going to kind of like take votes from one another. Sure. Not in this case. Came Woodall uh, was the winner of the fan vote, the winner of the overall vote. And uh, by the way, we'll talk a little bit more about her later in the later in the program. Um, but uh, wow, what a uh, w- what a great year she was, and she peaked at the right time.
2: The two greatest UCF one year transfers: Mike Hughes, football; Kema Woodall, softball. Kema Woodall is the Mike Hughes of softball. They don't. I mean, they, she remember, she was nine and nineteen at East Carolina. So this was not like a highly touted, hey, wow, what a big move.
0: Wasn't and really she, all her fault, though, to be fair. No,
2: as we found out. Um, <laughs> but she just was incredible. She was like a co-number one with Mancha. She was the perfect complement to Mancha in the one-two punch. But this team does not accomplish all the goals they do without her. She, In fact, she won – the uh, a must win at Wichita State game two after they lost the Friday night game they have to win that game if they don't win that game Wichita State are the, are the conference champions she hell holds Wichita State to one run in what is considered the course field of softball in Wichita where you can hit a pop up for a home run and then comes in relief and closes it out to win the regular season title she then pitches and gets a shout out against the rival South Florida in East Carolina Jeff in her return to win the conference tournament we won't even get into what she did in the in the regionals because that's coming later that's called a tease but a, an incredible impact uh for her
0: yeah and it was fun to watch her pitch late in the year and you know like you said we'll hear a little bit more from her uh in uh in a little bit our lab we're gonna take a break in a little bit but our last award that we're gonna pass out before our break is uh, we're going to do the Photo of the Year Now, I know this is a podcast, and it's impossible for us to actually show you the photos, but I do encourage you to take a look at our nominees. Both of our photographers this year, uh, Noah Goldberg and, of course, Derek Warden, um, were remarkable at a bunch of different events. Um, they, the 2 we are, I'm so thankful for the two of them because they are both true artists with their, with their lenses. And uh, we had them each nominate three, what they thought were their three best photos from the year. Um, we we all voted on which one was the best. We had the fans vote on which one was the best. I, he- I highly encourage you to ch- go check them out. Uh, there were some really really amazing photos that they put put forth. But one of them captured one of the great moments, uh, which was uh, a photo of Cam uh, Woodall and Shannon Doherty celebrating UCF winning the regional. Eric Lopez right after the final out, and it just ca- it to me that captured just the. Unbridled joy of not just winning, but doing something for the first time in program history. It's there's a little bit of there's a little bit of every emotion in there. Like the not just the joy, but the shock of it. Like oh my god, we really just did this, didn't we?
2: Right, and no question. And that, it's a great picture taken. And then look at the two people involved, Shannon Doherty, who basically told the coaches after UCF uh, was not going to host the American Conference tournament because the league took it away from them. He's like, they're not going to be able to take away us hosting a regional. They set that goal and then came all, you know, Doherty set the tone as we'll talk about later in the year in the opener. And here's came Woodall throwing the last pitch and both of them. It's, it's really fitting in a lot of ways that those two in the photo, because it's, it really tells a lot of the story of this team's uh, team, team 21, as they call it for UCF softball in 2022, a historic team.
0: So many good photos that the, that these two guys had, and there really and there were
2: some that were not even yeah. uh, even added to this. There was a lot of feedback, right. like where is the like, people wanted the okey photo from Gasparilla that that Noah took.
0: I know, I, I, you know, I and we too were like Noah. Why don't we put that one? And and this this goes to show you how you know how serious these guys take it. You know, Noah was like you know what? I get it, but I don't feel like mine was the best of all the photos of that moment. You know, and so I, he's like I, I just and I, and I and I left it to them. I was like, "You guys nominate the photos that you that you want." And he's like, "I, you know, I, I know that was a great moment that I captured, but I didn't quite capture it as well as as others as, as others did." And he just didn't feel and he didn't feel comfortable with it. But uh, you know, I respect that tremendously because it shows you how good these two guys are uh, at what they do. So, guys, make sure you follow them. Follow the Noah Goldberg and underscore DS Warden on Twitter. They're amazing art and on Instagram too. All right. We're going to take a break. When we return, Eric, Drew, Bryson, and I will be back for some team awards, a few more individual awards, including the big ones, Game of the Year, Athletes of the Year, Teams of the Year, when we return. This is the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast, and the 2022 Black and Gold Banneret Award Show. Stick around. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast, the 2022 Black and Gold Bannerette Awards. I'm Jeff Sharon. Eric Lopez is with me, along with Andrew Glukoff and Bryson Turner. We continue with our awards uh, with the men's and women's individual performances of the year. These are uh, games which uh, where one person just kind of took over and showed us how great they truly are. All right, we'll start with the men. Uh, individual performance of the year on the men's side, <clears throat> Ryan O'Keefe in the Gasparilla Bowl, which we kind of mentioned earlier. Connor Stain, seven innings, the shutout ball against Ole Miss. Uh, we kind of we kind of broke the rules a little bit on this one. Darren Green and Brandon Mahan against Michigan, going eight for eight from three point range in the second half. Jorge uh, Campos' uh, hat trick against Florida Gulf Coast for men's soccer, and the doubles pair of Cronhe and White beating the number one pair in their first match together uh, in men's tennis against Ohio State. The winner in the men's individual performance of the year. This one was a little bit tighter than people thought, but I think we all knew who was really going to win it. The winner of the fan vote, and the winner of the overall vote, Ryan O'Keefe in the Gasparilla Bowl. Uh, Drew, when you look back at that single performance, that was obviously his crowning achievement uh, from last year. But the other thing is, with uh, I mean, it was it was a complete performance: running the ball, catching the ball, and returning kicks. For Ryan O'Keefe.
3: That's correct. You know, if you add all his total yards, you end up with 250 total, 251 total yards because he did have two kickoff returns for 56 yards. Uh, the next highest person was Emery Jones of Florida, you know, the quarterback with only 233. <laughs> he outgained everybody on the field. So, I mean, that just shows how a dominating performance he had in that game. He, he, he put his mark everywhere you know uh, being you know, scoring touchdowns he did have uh, you know a touchdown catch uh, making a big run you know 74 yard rush uh, you know because he ended up with four carries for 110 yards so I mean he was he was busy he had the second most carries on the team and you know anytime he got the ball things happened and they couldn't stop him they Florida had no answer for Ryan O'Keefe none
0: yeah. 195 yards uh from scrimmage in that game. Over, I think it was what, over 250 yard all purpose yards
3: in that 251 game. Two hundred and fifty-one all purpose yards. Game yeah. high.
0: Did it all. Did it all. And scored the the uh w- what turned out to be the cherry on top touchdown in that game uh as well. Women's individual performance of the year. Our nominees uh for this award, McKenna Melville with a twenty-seven and twenty-eight against Florida State. Uh, for UCF Volleyball. Brittany Smith in the first round game against uh, Florida with a fant- with a career high of 26 points. Track Two track nominees here. Brittany Floyd breaking a 19-year-old heptathlon record and Raniah Jones winning three gold medals in the American Indoor Championships. Women's golf, Pat Pidden setting a 54-hole record. Kama Woodall, her 11-inning performance against Michigan and the NCAAs. A lot of nominees here. Jada Cody, her two home runs in the game before that. Against Villanova. This one was tough. Not going to lie. This, we talked about how tough it was with all the for to pick which was the best individual or performance or women's sports this year. Uh, but in the women's individual performance, Kama Woodall won the fan vote and won the overall vote with that in 11 innings. How many pitches did she throw in that game again? 181. 181, 181 pitches in 11 innings against the Michigan Wolverines getting UCF the second win of the regional and really and that was that was the moment in uh, in that extra inning game probably it, and, we'll, and it's a nominee obviously for game of the year but what an individual performance came Woodall got it
2: done let 10 strikeouts only gave up the two runs gave his to her team a chance until they finally figured out offensively uh, Michigan's pitching at the end of the game but the, I mean, to do it, beat two all-American pitchers because Michigan threw both their aces, Duraco and Bobian, in
1: that game. And Bryson, you were the media; you were in the stands. How hot was it there? It was so hot that I ended up getting a sunburn on my face, and it registered a low-grade fever afterwards. It was. The, the, it was florida heat at its worst honestly
2: so while bryson was struggling in those conditions Kmall was actually in pr- getting better during the game in the conditions remarkable <laughs> performance for kemal woodall uh, a legendary performance that will be remembered for a long time for those that were in attendance or watched on espn too
0: no doubt about it gosh put that on the put that on the uh, on ucf day on espn right give mm-hmm. me that game right there Uh, we move over to, uh, story of the year. This one, I, you know, was, it it was, it's pretty obvious how this one went. Um, but there were a lot of really good stories, but if you're going to pick what's the biggest story of the year in UCF athletics, there really is only one. The three nominees were, uh, were UCF basketball, women's basketball, finally breaking through and winning the American athletic conference for the first time. Orlando hosting the NCAA softball regional and UCF getting the victory, of course, which we've talked about. Uh, and then UCF winning or, or finally getting their invitation to the Big 12 Conference. Believe it or not, hey, this is one of those things where like the the fan vote from UCF softball, man, did they come to play? Because softball actually won the fan vote. Yeah, riding the wave.
2: But, <laughs> riding the but, wave,
0: baby. but this is this is why this is why the fan vote only gets one vote out of all of us and like sometimes we as a staff have to step in and be like, listen, this is the big story of the year and it's UCF going to the big 12 conference and uh, Drew, I want to get you in on this. You and I have talked many times about UCF's conference affiliation shenanigans over the years. Uh, this is this is the big story. we, we for years have said, one day UCF is going to reach the, the biggest of the big time. And now they're there.
3: You can make an argument that, and granted, it's kind of young, this could be the story of the decade for UCF. Uh, when you look at where they started in 1990 in Division I in the American South, America South and folded and merged into the Sun Belt. And then it kind of goes from there to the, uh, uh, the A Sun, to, you know, with the back of the football, to Conference to American. Uh, the progression that happened from this little teeny commuter school in Orlando to the largest school in the country with the most beds on campus in any state school. In other words, not a commuter school, the transformation from child to adult has been nothing short of amazing to watch in real time. You know, we got, we got, we all are either have or are currently experiencing parts of it. And, to see it all culminate and getting brought into a power conference with, you know, that has uh, a payday. That's going to dwarf anything UCF's ever had. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it's life-changing for the school. We know that a good athletic program yields benefits in other areas for the school when it comes to like applications and and quality of students, it matters. So this matters not only in athletics, it matters outside of athletics. This helps elevate the school profile to the next level.
0: Not just within the school, like you were saying, but it's, you know, UCF was a curiosity. When you talk, I, I, it's hard for us kind of to perceive this. And Eric, I want to get you in on this. You know, we in the UCF Orlando sphere of influence know what the school's about, right? But when you talk about nationally speaking, right? And we're starting to see that with some of our newer friends from the Big 12 who we've been interacting with on social media. The thought, you know, UCF was more or less still a curiosity, uh, even as late as 2017-2018 during the 25-game football winning streak. Now, people are going to know, right, Eric? Like, this is when you're well, part yeah, of this, it, you're part the, of the big time.
2: It's the success they've had on the field. The credit to the players and the coaches and the administration. You know, Danny Waite, obviously, uh, they've made all this happen on the field because there's a reason why UCF's going to be in the Big 12 and South Florida is not. Uh, and I think a big part of that is the commitment to success on the field with facilities and also the success they've had on the field uh, there. So this is uh, obviously significant. Now, Drew, I'm a little su- disappointed at you. I figured, because I would argue... Is this the biggest story? Are we going to the big 12? Are we going to the big 14? Are we going to the big 16 drew? I mean, well, I mean,
3: they do have the big 16 trademarked. There you go. They've had that. They had that wait. I thought somebody else had that trademark. No, it's the big 12 conference. Has it, Mm. uh, they trademarked it years ago. So, I mean, it, it can, it can happen. Uh, and it still might. And you know, this story, we thought it was, it was cut and dry. And, uh, we thought it was okay. UCF's joined the Big 12. Boom. Then this whole thing with the Pac 12 happened, and now it's like, okay, well, which? What are we getting? Uh, what version are we getting? And short of anything really ridiculous happened, which no, nothing points towards it, UCF's going to end up in this much nicer conference, uh, with much nicer staff uh, uh, you know, status and stature. And they may be bringing some guys from the West along. I mean, this is becoming a, you know, they talked about when the American was forming, you're looking at becoming a nationwide conference. No, this is on the verge of becoming a nationwide conference, uh, barely missing on the Pacific time zone, but close enough with, with, you know, the Arizona schools that you can throw a pebble and you're in the Pacific time zone. <laughs> uh, the other thing to keep in mind is remember 2016, Big 12 looked into expanding and you had this dog and pony show. That UCF had to do along with, you know, Memphis and South Florida and Tulane and all these other schools.
0: Typos were made.
3: You know, research was not properly done. <laughs> Typos were made. And the but the truth is, I guarantee you, the stuff from that was remembered. Because aside from the the on-field resume that UCF has developed in recent years, and that resume has been nothing short of fantastic. Uh, there was an aggressive off the field plan that has only exponentially jumped since Terry Mahajer took over but there was mm-hmm. it was aggressive to begin with and i guarantee you that the aggressiveness that the UCF administration had towards development and growth played a role in the positive view that the Big 12 had cuz you know, obviously, you don't want complacency. That's what hurts South Florida now is they were complacent, and now you're seeing all these changes in indoor practice fields coming up. You know, It's only 15 years after UCF had one. Uh, on-campus stadiums coming up, uh, you know, it's all well, – it, it, you know, you're looking at, you know, 15-year old 17-40. Oh, look, give them
2: credit, better late than never, and it's going to pay off because, mm-hmm. you know, they're going to battle FAU for bragging rights oh, in the American. because
3: they're seeing the- – <laughs> It's you're seeing the results of of what positive facilities planning has. On the flip sure. side, UCF getting locked out of the Big East when USF gets involved, you know UCF starts looking at maybe that garage of an arena is not the answer, which it certainly wasn't. And that that on a probably- credit
2: to Steve Orsini never gets brought up. I know you know you know. He kind of helped set up those facilities. Hired George O'Leary, who obviously kind of put football, really kind of put UCF uh, on the, you know, up to date as far as what Division One football was about, right? Like to me, George O'Leary's accomplished uh, contributions are off the field more than on the field because UCF was behind the times prior to George O'Leary as far as Division yeah. what it takes to be a, a success, a successful football well, program in Division One.
3: UCF, well, look at the program when, when he got here. They were a bad MAC program, a bad MAC program uh, that had no discipline whatsoever. And then you look at the other sports. They were an ASUN quality department. And the Atlantic Sun back then was a very low, uh, low major. You know, UCF, I think, I think the best. conference
0: rankings in men's basketball, the ASUN was the lowest at the time.
3: Uh, I, I, one of the bottom. Uh, they may not have been the yeah. bottom, but they were close to it. Sure, sure. Uh, you know, I think UCF's highest seed in the NCAA tournament was 14th. You know, yeah, you know, 14th seed. I mean, right, as an auto bid from the A-Sun. Yeah, on. that's but, terrible. But,
2: but, but that's another person that should get credit for this, is Johnny Dawkins for giving men's basketball credibility with the Big 12 because the Big 12 loves basketball. A lot of basketball schools there. They're very picky about it. That also helped because, yes, football is, drives all this, but the other sports being – solid and successful helps this it's you can't you're not getting
3: in on just one sport UCF went I think three years with every team having winning records yes you know, breaks that men's yeah. basketball has kind of squeaked through in that last the last that last season but three years in a row every program had a winning record that that matters you know you're you're creating a culture of winning you know uh and like we talked about when Georgia Larry took over they they had a bad culture the football program they also didn't know how to win I mean, we made a joke about UCF in games where they'd find ways to lose, you know, take defeat from the jaws of victory. Uh, that was a culture at UCF back then, and and that changed. You know, once UCF moved on campus, the entire dynamic of the athletic program changed. Uh, the attitude changed, the fan support changed. It was just, even though UCF had a winless season in '15, the wheels fell off. The you know, it was nothing like '2004. Where you had to drive 20 minutes after the game. Well, and you know, people still went to, to the games.
2: People, I don't think fan, the fan base has gotten enough credit for the support they still gave the football team that year in 15, where it's winless. That was an unwatchable team, honestly. Uh, and there were still, I went to those games, Drew, there were still 30, 40,000, 30,000 people uh, going when really, you know. In other places, they probably would have had five people going to the games.
3: I was one of them. I was a season ticket holder yeah. from 2006 to 2016 uh, when my uh, seats got converted. So, yeah. So, uh, yeah. you know, so this has been it years
2: in the making. This has been years yeah. in the making. It's the biggest story of the year off the field. And I think the softball, real quick on the softball, that's the biggest on the field story as uh, far as 20 years on the making of winning a regional. So, it's pretty two giant stories. But, yeah, the Big 12 story, obviously. And it'll, that'll continue to be a big story as this conference evolves. And then, Step on the field in about a year. Yeah,
0: the other thing, too, is that, you know, we're going to see, I think that the the next couple of big stories that we're going to see are going to be part and parcel of this particular story. For example, the TV contract, what happens in UCF's final year in the American, what happens when UCF finally joins the Big 12, which teams become that surprise team. In future scheduling sports, before, will be. Future in, scheduling uh, will be a big one there's so many it's just a branch of stories that we're going to see bryson has one more word go ahead bryson
1: yes sorry uh, drew, uh drew, i forgot i muted myself for a second drew uh you mentioned that O and 15 team and how the fan support still remain there i still have this this tweet on my de- on my desktop it's um that that showed a photo of what it said is of uh, you now ucf tight end max holler the, 12, the brother of Alec holler holding up a sign at, as he was attending the UC the UCF usF game saying i'd rather be o and 12 than have a usF diploma i mean <laughs> I'm sorry like i just i just think that's such a great example of like the fan base staying behind this team during such a, a down year from a record standpoint and their 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 dedication was rewarded
3: absolutely you look at at the numbers the worst attendance that year was East Carolina with 23,734. You go to 04, which was the other, you know, winless. There's some,
0: there are some other teams.
3: 12,083 Kent the- state at the end of the year. Yeah. By the way, that was being charitable. I was at that game. Oh, I was at that game. I was in the marching band. I was on the field yeah. and there could not have been more than 6,000 people. It was people raining
0: there. too. I mean, it was terrible. It was, it was, terrible. A it was an bad awful weather. Thing. The, but you know, Goes to show twenty three thousand people. There are some MAC teams who, in a good year, when they're having a good year, you know, other there were a lot of other G five. They they don't draw. You're being kind. Of nobody that. in the MAC.
3: Yeah, you're being kind. One nobody in the MAC draws. Yeah, nobody. Of in the Mac. That. Yeah, nobody right. yeah. You look at like Eastern Michigan, Ball State. You know these schools. They can't draw UCF when they were winless, and this was a bad winless team. It wasn't like the fifteen team, which was really talented, just had no no leadership this was just a bad team where you had your best offensive players having to play defense uh still getting 12,000 and we know they talk about the whole 15,000 line uh but i you know they still they had 20 they all had over 20,000 for homecoming yeah. on a on a now bad imagine, team
0: now imagine what we're going to have this year oh, you yeah. know with are there going to be some expectations i mean this is going to our last year in the American, this is going to be this is going to be a lot of fun. They're on
3: the ver- they're very close to selling out all season tickets. I know they're very close on the line. They haven't announced a sellout, so they still got a few left. But I mean, they're close; they're real yeah. close.
0: So that takes us to the game of the year. These are the big awards. I think these next eight, o- the seven awards, these are the big ones. Uh, to me, or the next eight awards: right, game of the year, play of the year, moment of the year, the male and female athlete of the year, and the men's and women's team. Of the year, and we ha- we split game of the year into two, men's and women's men's game of the year. I think this one was probably pretty easy. We had the Gasparilla Bowl for football, the Boise State game, the season opener for football. People forget how good that game was. Uh, the uh, baseball's win over o- number two Ole Miss uh, at home in extra innings, and of course, men's basketball beating Juwan Howard and Michigan in the uh, in a <clears throat> or at home. And the winner here, I think it's pretty obvious. These were all really fun games to be at, fun games to attend, but the Gasparilla Bowl was more than just a game. I mean, it was a uh, it was it was phenomenal. It was a uh, it was a cultural event here in the state of Florida. Uh and for UCF to get that victory drew um in in, in the fashion that they did, okay, you know, so the game didn't have like the most spectacular finish of the, it, it, ever, but we will remember that game as long as we live. The day UCF finally beat Florida.
3: Absolutely. You know, The third time they got a chance at them, the first time away from the swamp. And, you know, fans of the opposing side can make all the excuses they want. You play to win Lord the knows game. They're,
0: Lord knows they're good at it.
3: Yeah, they're very good at it. But you play to win the game, and Herm Edwards has that nailed down. Uh, you know, UCF, I think the score was not as close as the game was close in the game really was. I mean, UCF uh, played a real physical game. They were spirited. Uh, yeah. The fans dominated the it. second half physically that that
0: fourth quarter. They beat know, where,
3: them into a pulp
0: beat. Yeah, that where the offensive line took over and go back and watch the highlights, guys, because that was an offense. That was an offensive line imposing their will on florida
3: well and it's because of isaiah bowser i mean you know he's a bruising back and they rode him hard uh over 30 carries i mean he he worked first game back after the injury well yeah, not he, really his first he, game back it was
0: best most action since that injury. He, he
3: had th- he had a few weeks he had a couple weeks what two and a half weeks of rest to to really get back and do it so i mean he was in about as good shape as he's been all year uh i mean he he looks great. The team looked great. And, and that was the style of ball we were hoping to see all year, because that was the style of ball. When, when they didn't have it, teams didn't respect the running game. Mm -hmm. And and that's when things struggled when Mikey Keene was first as a, as you know, on his quarterback and they were having to rely on him more than they needed to because the running game was so ineffective. You got the bruiser third, you know, it's, it's like the Navy idea, you know, the goal is third into the fourth quarter, you've worn down that defense and you're just going to, beat it into them and ram it down their throat that's what UCF did and it became very successful in the second half gosh
0: you, you, I, you know whenever I'm in a bad mood I just flip on the YouTube of that game and I feel and I feel much better got to hit
3: beat those hated Gators <laughs> yeah yeah I feel much better about it. go ahead you know quickly, what Bryce. those
1: two football nominations have in common though Isaiah Bowser having an absolutely phenomenal game and he's, ba- and he's back next year. He, I swear, if he had been playing a full year healthy, he would be nominated for transfer of the year.
0: Well, probably probably uh, athlete of the year. Yeah, I, think mean, be
3: be really cool. I mean, he would be up there. Yeah, the injuries cost
1: him. Yeah, it would have been a what yeah. if
2: they're athlete of the year. But hey, he's back this year, so we we'll yeah. see what
0: happens. Uh, hey, thunder and lightning, man. Johnny Richardson and Isaiah Bowser, this is going to be fun. If they can stay healthy, this is going to be a good ride. Women's game of the year, we had some good ones in this, in this category. Uh, softball beating Michigan in 11 innings in the uh, NCAA region, which we talked about women's basketball, the American athletic conference championship game against USF. That was one of the most intense basketball games. I think I can ever remember uh, UCF playing Uh, the outdoor American athletic conference championship and track and field Uh, women's basketball's first round victory over Florida at UConn and softball, Boy, there were a number of softball games we could have picked. Well, we picked two of them. Obviously, the uh, Michigan win, but also their walk-off win in the season opener against nationally ranked Georgia. Uh, women's game of the year. The winner, uh, and I think this was easy, from the fan vote, and we agreed with him, uh, the 11-inning victory over Michigan. Dramatic Eric Lopez, national TV, 11 innings. We talked about how great camewood Woodall was. The, the the extra innings. It was just it, you and I have said this before. It that game encapsulates what what has made college softball the the, the sport of the moment right now in college sports. I think it, it is really having a moment right now. The edge of your seat drama in that atmosphere for the entire time, especially in extra innings when UCF finally you know came back, tied the game, and then finally won it in extras. Um, you, you could cut the you could cut the intensity with a knife, and it was just a wonderful day of sports.
2: It was, and considering what was at stake, it was a winner's bracket game. The winner was going to the regional final. You knew what the forecast was weather-wise That whoever lost that game was probably going to have an uphill battle because odds are they weren't going to be able to play later that day. Which means they would have had to play multiple games on Sunday. And it would have been a long, long run, and. Here we are, bottom of the seventh. UCF's down their last out, last strike. Maddie Berharano ties the game up with a base hit to right center. They go to extra innings. She wins it, past first baseline to win it. The euphoria in the building uh, was incredible. It's to me when you look at the biggest sporting event in the history of UCF on campus. Yep. USF win Black Friday. The Memphis uh, conference title wins seventeen and eighteen. Men's soccer against Missouri State, 2019. The Gal Jennings golden goal and this game. Those are to me your Mount Rushmores of all-time wins on campus in UCF. That's their first. They win that game, set them up to win the regional and advance it the first time in front of a packed house. It's the the greatest win in the history of the program. It was a game that nobody that ever watched it, which was a big number on ESPN two, uh, will ever forget, and a big crowd too in the in the in the complex. What a moment. What a moment it was for the pros! Nothing better than beating Michigan, is it?
3: <laughs> oh man, I I have certain words I want to say, and I'm not allowed. Well, to... you,
2: I, I want your perspective because you're not a softball person, but you you you're a UCF person.
3: You, you are an
0: Ohio it. State fan, also. Well, so you must I mean, have enjoyed well, I can't that. Can't say
3: I'm not a softball <laughs> person. I'm I'm not a softball aficionado, but you know, I I watch a lot more softball, softball than ball, I do Loach. soccer. I'll be honest. Uh, mm-hmm. I watch a lot more softball than – I actually watch more softball than I do uh, baseball. Ooh, uh, welcome aboard. Thank you. But uh, that's not new. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, anytime that Michigan loses makes my warm heart beat faster. I mean, that's just – that's just beautiful, especially in dramatic fashion. And after they won, you know, the Wolverines beat UCF earlier in the year. So there was in revenge clear water, yeah. on the mind. Yeah, correct.
2: And then they beat them again. Beat him again. Beat him twice. By the way, Michigan, a, a legacy program with Carol Hutchins, the all-time winniest coach in the history of college softball. So, I mean, it's not like we beat, you know, some random program. We beat a marquee legendary program to do it. Yeah. Uh, so, by the way, good year for UCF beating Michigan in sports, huh? I mean, shout Isn't out it? to men's basketball. beating One of the great second halves in the history of men's basketball, Kyle Nash, I, I want to re- represent him on that because him and I still can't get over that game. And one of the most in- thrilling second halves, UCF Michigan basketball as well. I think that's sophomore. the most
3: dominant half of any sport I've ever seen.
2: Mm-hmm. Amazing. It's, yeah, gosh, there's such good moments this year, some of them.
0: Uh, in, Speaking of moments, play of the year. We're going to get to play of the year and moment of the year. But first, play oh, of the year.
1: I, I thought you were going to yeah. go somewhere else there, Jeff. The.
0: Uh, <laughs> The play of the year, we have uh, five nominees here uh, for uh, play of the year. And a little bit of a surprise, but um, Darren Green's buzzer beater against ECU. Shannon Doherty's walk. This probably could have been like the all Shannon Doherty category with all of her walk-off homers. But uh, we chose her walk-off homer against Georgia in the season opener. Diamond Battles' game-winning reverse layup against Arkansas for women's basketball. Riley Wash's walk-off hit against number two Ole Miss that capped off that game, and uh, Savannah Adams's pinch-hit home run against Houston. There were a lot of co- these are some really you know really huge plays. But the winner of the fan vote and the overall vote, Shannon Doherty's home run and a backflip for the ages against uh, against against Georgia. Eric, that made like national social media headlines. Shannon Doherty's uh, home run against Michigan on opening night.
2: And it still is. In fact, that play right, now, that play right now has advanced to the American Conference Play of the Year in the final. They're in the final round next week. Shannon Gordy's
0: out here wielding so much social media clout; it's, it's really incredible. something to behold right now. Hey,
3: you got to point out though that that single play nearly won for Call of the Year.
2: Yeah. Naturally, yeah, yeah. The guy blew a night. Blew all right, whatever. Yeah, club, the guy, I, the guy did a pretty good job uh, on that one.
0: Not to mention the fact that MLB picked that one up.
2: MLB picked it up. I mean, it was a uh, it was a big storm. I mean, I've never seen my phone like it was after game. I mean, it was an incredible game for that moment, and really, let's give credit to the crew at ESPN Plus, Major Hal, and the students that run the camera, Lucas, and all the guys. Because you mentioned it, Jeff, it wasn't just a random play. It was a the way to hit the home runs going to left field, which is always dramatic. Because now you're thinking, it's is it fair? Is it foul? She hits the hole She's gonna really- hit someone's car, right? It goes gone. You see her accelerating with the bat flip. The team is in cellar. It was uh, incredible television. Yeah, incredible television there, pandemonium. Um And and you know, Bryson, you were there and you brought up a great point to me because we were debating because a lot of there a lot of people voted for the Savannah Adams pinch hit home run and rightfully so. Uh, which beat Houston, because without that, they probably don't host the conference, uh, host the regional. Manny Bergerano's walk-off hit against Michigan wasn't even nominated. It was just too many choices. But, Bryson, there's a couple of reasons why this is the correct call with the Doherty play, because of the dramatics of it, obviously from a visual standpoint. But this set the tone for the season, as you pointed out. It, it was ele- You can sense it in that building that, hey, this was not only special for tonight, but this could set the tone for something special throughout the year.
1: Oh, yeah. I I mean, Shannon, of course, was the one that made the premonition of they can't take regionals away, and that ended up proving prophetic. There's also the fact that, you know, the very first game of the season against a nationally ranked opponent and you take them to extra innings. I mean, when you go through a gauntlet like that, that a big test like that right out of the gate and you, co- and you come away with the win like that, I mean, that kind of gives you the whole like we can do anything after doing that. And to do that in the first game of the season, I think absolutely set the tone for what was going going forward. And not just for Doherty individually, considering she did two more walk-offs after that, but for the rest of the team for the rest of the season. This is the equivalent of the Mike Hughes play. Like, I think. The Savannah Adams
2: play and even the Bejarano play is more the Trey Neal play, the interception against Memphis. You could argue that was a more important play than the Mike Hughes kickoff return against USF. But the Mike Hughes play is a play that everybody remembers where they were because you just don't see that. And I think Shannon Doherty is the same thing. Everybody remembers where they were when she hit that walk-off. And I think that's the, the equivalent there that I would describe. So I think everybody not, and clearly has been proven.
0: Not to – not to you know. It, it, it. Not to poo-poo that a little bit, I would argue it's more like if you remember from 2017 to sort of compare it, the Adrian Killen's 96 yard run against Memphis early in the season, because you're thinking, you know, because after that I'm thinking, whoa, this is this is a different UCF team that we're watching here. This is there, there's something
2: something magic no, that's a, is happening. I think right, for, now. right, right from a narrative that's a good point. Uh but that you know that didn't make Nash that didn't make the national headlines sure. like the like the Mike Hughes did or the Doherty. But I know where you're saying you're right. Achilles was kind of that statement that hey, this is going to be a different. This could be a special year. That's a valid good comparison yeah. there. Yeah. All right. That takes us to
0: moment of the year. This one was pretty easy for us, I think. Uh, softball winning the UCF, winning the Orlando Regional. Women's basketball clinching the American Athletic Conference at home against Cincy and cutting down the nets. Softball hosting, learning that they're hosting the regional uh, by watching the selection show. Football, Kate uh, McKenzie Milton finishing up his career uh, at the Hula Bowl—a remarkable moment. But the winner, uh, this one was this one was uh, about as easy as it gets. Um, even though, again, the UCF softball fans just coming out in droves, picking UCF winning the regional as the fan vote winner. The winner of the moment of the year for UCF. I think we can all agree on this one. Ryan O'Keefe's touchdown catch against Florida in the Gasparla Bowl, where he throws up the deuces in honor of the late Otis Anderson. Uh, it, it, it was, uh, you know, we talked about the new. Num- I know, Eric, you're a big fan of numerology around here. Same length touchdown catch as Otis's famous touchdown catch where he threw up the deuces in the uh, American Championship in 2018. Um, but this one not just was was not just really the clincher against Florida and Drew. I want to go to you on this. This wasn't just the clincher against Florida, but you know to pay tribute to Otis um, and the tragedy surrounding his death in in a moment like that was. For me, that was one of the most in that game in that moment against that opponent. Um, for me, it was one of the most emotional moments I think in UCF history.
3: Uh, it's, it's up there as far as from a, from a single moment, you know, they had, you know, Otis's uniform, uh, on, on the sideline, they carried it around. Uh, he became the spiritual motivation of this team heading into, into the bowl game because and it was the first
0: game after his
3: death. Yes. Uh, you know, because of the, uh, you know, the, the tragic, you know, situation that, that led to, to his, uh, his premature passing. Uh, and and how beloved he was by not only the program but by fans. I mean, fans. Uh, I don't want to say gobbled it up because I made it you know, kind of trivialized, but I mean, they embraced, you know, the the support for for you know Otis and, and everything he he brought to to this school. You know, he he bled for for, for this school, and uh, it's a tribute also to the fan base who recognized the work that go that these players put into it, uh, and to have. You know, a 54-yarder that matches the exact yardage of and do the exact same thing. I guarantee you, Ryan O'Keefe had no idea that was a 54-yard touchdown play. He wasn't thinking that. You know, he had in his mind, he broke it free. He wanted to throw up the deuces for for a friend. And, you know, it just became the perfect moment that, that just encapsulates, encapsulates how special college athletics really is it goes beyond just the sport it covers the fan base the community at large and they all embraced it
1: yeah i you know i i agree with everything you just said drew and i also want to bring this into point um so one college football writer steve helwick um posted noah's photo of that moment when ryan o'keefe threw up the deuces and noah actually responded to that tweet where he said that he um, it certainly helped tell an amazing story of a physically and emotionally strong UCF team that overcame a lot to get to that moment. I think that, you know, we, we do talk about how the individual of the individual of that moment, but I think it also is important to bring up that, you know, the passing, the unfortunate passing of Otis Anderson was just one, of the or, of just many things that this team had to overcome over the course of the season everybody getting injured including the head coach i mean it was just it, it's a, it's an emotional catharsis that i think this fan base got in that moment that really makes it what it is on multiple levels let's yeah.
3: take it to let's let's take it to another degree there's you know there's that one angle that has the Florida player down on the ground as he's you know he's got the deuces up and, his, and the
0: UCF side of the stadium behind it yeah, too going everybody out to celebrating.
3: Insane. There, there's, an, uh, there's a different view on this, is the, is the coming of age of UCF. You add the whole Big 12 piece, uh, beating you know, the, the, the top state school uh, on a neutral playing field, you know, mm-hmm. and, and the fact that they're leaving them in the dust, essentially, according to that picture. Uh, it says a lot. It, it just shows the growth of, of UCF as a school, as a community, not only just that one game in itself, but in general.
0: Yeah, wow, what a moment it was! And like I said, whenever I need a whenever I need a pick me up, I watch the YouTube of that game.
3: He still cries.
0: I still cry. I'm not gonna, I'm not afraid to admit it. Uh, all right, that takes us to our final four awards, and these are the two big ones: men's and women's, the athletes of the year and the teams of the year. And we are going to go first with athlete of the year. First, the men's athlete of the year our nominees: Ryan O'Keefe. Uh, who is second all AAC second team? We talked about him earlier. Uh, Luca Dorado of men's soccer, first team all conference, uh, led uh, UCF men's soccer in goals with uh, 13, including six game winners. Johnny Trevali of UCF men's golf, who led his team with uh, the seventh lowest scoring average in a single season in program history three top fives and a win. Uh, Darren Green Jr. from basketball, third team all conference. Uh, really was the uh, the key cog in UCF's lineup, especially towards the end of the year. And Jeffrey Pena of baseball, who led uh, his team with a 339 average, uh, 82 hits in 60 games played, <clears throat> all-conference uh, second team. Pena won the fan vote, and he also won the overall vote. So Jeffrey Pena is our 2022 UCF Male Athlete of the Year, Bryson Turner. Um, you know, this was, uh, this one was kind of a tough category and I think we kind of hinted at this where, you know, this, you know, the, some of the men's teams did struggle more than the women's teams, obviously this year. But and when you talk about somebody who was really consistent, Jeffrey Pena was it for UCF men's for UCF baseball.
1: He, his 82 hits that you mentioned earlier, Jeff. That is the most hit a UCF Knight has had in a single season since 2011 when Jonathan Griffin had 86. Of, co- of course, wow. his signature yeah. ability, his stolen bases, not only has he set a program record in, in for stolen base percentage, he has a 943 stolen base percentage. Almost 95% of the time, he steals... The, the he steals the bag he's um he he also stole 20 or more bases in back-to-back seasons for the first time since matt ray did it in 2005 to 2006 i, I mean and of course he, you mentioned his batting average i mean he was he was this team's rock when it came to batting average he also had the walk-off double that kept the team alive against houston in the aac semi-final i mean mm-hmm. This, I mean, it's it's a wonder to me, by the way, because the MLB draft was recently we talked about how, um, you know, the three UCF players got drafted. The fact that Jeffrey Pena has not gotten drafted yet is beyond me, because I think that his I think he has more than proved his athletic ability on the field. And I really do think he deserves a shot to prove himself in the in the professional system. And this season is just a showcase as to what he can really bring to that. And he really helped get this UCF baseball team as far as they did. Right.
2: If this team is in the regionals, this is not even a conversation. It's an easy yeah. win for him. I think that's the only reason that people may not be aware. See, he's such a quiet guy, too. Doesn't really bring attention to himself. He just did his job every day. Uh, it was consistent and really was on fire. I mean, that's a great stat Bryson just mentioned. Most hits for any UCF baseball player since 2011. I mean, 11 years. Wow. that's a pretty good. That's yeah. pretty good.
0: Uh, that takes us to Women's Athlete of the Year, and man, this was tough. Uh, our nominees: McKenna Melville for volleyball, AVCA All, All-American, uh, led the NCAA with 701 points, 617 kills, and she still got another year left to go of this. Uh, Diamond Battles of Basketball, the uh, another All-Region player, AAC Player of the Year, AAC Defensive Player of the Year. Most Outstanding Player of the American Championship. Unanimous First Team All-Conference. We miss you, Diamond. Uh, Pat Pidden of Golf. Six Top 10 Finishes. AAC Player of the Year. Uh, Helped UCF to a final ranking of 35 in the Golf Stat Rankings. Raniah Jones. The Star of Stars. Rania herself. uh, Bronze in the NCAA Track and Field Championships. Uh, Set a new program record in the 60 Hurdles. MVP of the AAC indoor meet with four goal four goals in total this year, three indoor, one outdoor. Um, boy, she's gonna be fun! I can't wait to see her in, on Team USA in 2024. I'm not; it's gonna happen. I'm putting it out there into the universe. And Jada Cody of softball, another All American, D1 softball first team, softball America second team All American, ranked the 21st best player in the country according to D1 softball, the most outstanding player of the AAC. Uh, tournament, first team off-conference, uh, broke records left and right, including Stephanie Best's RBI record. Jada won the fan vote, and she won the overall vote. Our 2022 UCF Women's Athlete of the Year, Jada Cody of UCF Softball, Eric Lopez, well-deserved.
2: Uh, it's a well-honored, deser- well-deserved honor. When uh, you are mentioned now in the same sentence as a Hall of Famer like Stephanie Best, you're doing some pretty good things. And that's what Jada Cody's doing, breaking the RBI record. She does the home run, but she also catches. Remember, Gianna Mancha Mm -hmm. would tell you she doesn't have the success she has without Jada Cody catching her. Great third base, left field, now going to be on Team USA. It's it's gonna go down as arguably the greatest all around season that any UCF softball players ever had. That's how big of year Jada Cody had, and historic year she had. Well yeah. deserved honor in a maybe the most stacked category in the history of the Bannies and moving forward. Considering the list, that was yeah. an insane list of nominees, uh, future Hall of Famers, All Americans. You name them are in that category, Jeff. It's the biggest, without question, the most
1: stacked category ever that we've ever yeah. done in the, since we started the bannings. and we didn't even mention the fact that AAC goalkeeper of the year Caroline Delisle didn't even get nominated that's how stacked <laughs> this category is and by the way this is an interesting stat that I saw that I remember if you remember last year Raniah Jones took both the breakout athlete of the year and the female athlete of the year second year in a row in a row that the same athlete took both awards yeah
0: uh, that takes us to our last two awards of this of this year's Black and Gold Bannerette Awards, the men's and women's teams of the year. We start with the men. Uh, UCF Golf, nominated, uh, made the NCAA region as an 11 seed, five top five finishes, and a win at the Hartford Hawks Invitational back in September. UCF baseball finished 35 and 25, but that was good enough for second in the American. They were one win from the American Championship, and they got a win over eventual national champion Ole Miss. And UCF football uh, finished 9 and 4 despite a slew of injuries in that Louisville game. Uh, won the Gasparilla Bowl over Florida, of course. First time beating the Gators, and finished with a people forget this, a 7 0 record at home they protected the home turf baseball won the fan vote but it wasn't enough to overcome ucf football the men's team of the year for 2022 uh drew you touched upon some of this earlier but it bears uh reiterating here um a phenomenal coaching job combined with some uh you you know real team I, I thought it was a real team effort by uh a lot of these guys stepping up and rallying you know we saw that in the uh in uh, our time in the documentary how you know this team was decimated after that louisville game and they lose the two straight games louisville navy and man it looked like it could have fallen apart but the coaching staff kept them together the players themselves rallied around one another and it ended in, and it ended with one of the most remarkable moments in UCF uh, athletics history in beating
3: Florida. Oh yeah, no one was safe that season. Uh, you know, no player was safe, no coach was safe. Gus Malzahn having a broken leg, yeah, uh, and having to to coach on a scaffolding basically. You know, with a table. Uh, you know, uh, no crediting is safe. Hi, I'm Eric Lopez. Nice to meet you. Uh you know nothing nothing was safe. I mean, even the PA announcer got hurt and had
0: to miss a game. Yeah,
3: even the PA announcer had to miss time. I mean, nothing was safe at UCF football. And you know what? They rallied, they excelled. And it could have been far worse. And this this goes back to why guys like like a guy like T Will won assistant coach of the year. You know, and Gus Malzahn won coach one head coach of the year. They could have packed it in right after that Louisville game. You know what? Let's just Mikey Keen's gonna be our guy. We're just gonna work on developing. No, they didn't. Could work Could have played on developing. out the string,
0: but they did not do that.
3: Yeah, they didn't work on developing. They worked on winning, and they did. You know, they you know, sure there was a there were a play or two away from having 11 wins, but I think people forget that 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 Navy game was was just a couple of plays away from being a win, and then obviously that Louisville game was was uh, you do that nine out of ten times, it's probably gonna end up a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, it's just, I, I think people, you know, don't give that enough credit and, and let's give baseball you know credit. They also dealt with a lot of injuries and it, it derailed the season, the season. The big difference was UCF got that bowl win at the end of the year, ended it on a high note, defeated Florida. I think if they lost that game, baseball probably would have won this award. Or at least yeah. it would have been
2: really much more interesting debate there. Uh, by the way, Drew, I'm I'm really proud of you. You didn't nominate yourself for Moment of the Year for appearing on Hard Time. I mean, I thought that was I would have voted for you. Though,
0: you know? Interview of the Year, Soundbite of the Year, yes. <laughs> I uh, well, I well, here's an interesting thing that you bring up, Eric. Though is let's say UCF had beaten I don't know Mississippi State in the Gasparilla
2: Bowl. Probably not as big of a moment. Do you think? Correct. Uh, probably. It's, pro- it's or probably maybe they the don't po- win that award. Well, I don't know about, they, they might still win the award because you still win a bowl game. But I don't think this game, like, for example, I don't think it wins game of the year. I mean, the reason it wins game of the year is because it's Florida. That wasn't a great game. Like, the Boise game, you could argue, is a better game. But I got my vote. <laughs> right, you voted for I that. Uh, but the Florida game has more significance because of who it is and it's the bowl and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, I think the opponent played a big role on that. And look, baseball had, you know, if baseball would have made it to the regional, that would have been a much more interesting regional and by the way, men's golf. Let's quit a quick throw. Got in as one of the last four teams in. Not a lot of people expected. That was dramatic. I mean, under the radar, but they got in for Bryce Waller. That's big for him to get to the tournament again for their program with the players they have. So um, you know, each each team kind of had something to be proud of, salvaged, I think, the season. I know men, you know, baseball wishes they could have, you know. Some of the non-conference games kind of did them in, but they, they it was a lot of adversity this year on the men's side. Hopefully, let's hope for a healthy men's sports calendar year coming up for UCF.
0: Yeah, in more ways than one, and that takes us to our final award of the year, which is the women's team of the year. We've talked ad nauseum in this podcast about how great of a year it was for UCF women's sports all the way around. The nominees, you could probably list them off, you know, but you know, without me having to do it. UCF Volleyball, 27-7, 19-1 in the American. Most wins in program history in conference. Uh, Fourth consecutive American Athletic Conference title. Another NCAA bid. They get to the second round. Fall just short against UCLA in Pauley Pavilion. So close to getting to that second weekend in five sets. UCF Women's Basketball, what a year for them. Winning the double, regular season, and and tournament title in conference. 26-4. 14-1 14-1 in the American. Won their first NCAA, uh, NCAA tournament game against Florida. And again, came so close against UConn uh, in the second round. Uh, from pulling off what could have been the, the the upset of program history, if you ask me. Women's golf uh, made the NCAA tournament for the third straight time. Eighth in the last 11 seasons under Emily, uh, under Emily Marin. Uh, finished 11th in the Ann Arbor Regional, seven top fives and two tournament wins. And UCF softball, of course, which we've talked about, 49-14 and 14 on the year, regular season and tournament championship. First time they've done that since 2015. Hosted a regional for the first time, won a regional for the first time. Yeah, sure, they ran into Oklahoma in the second round. Oklahoma probably could beat the New York Yankees if you give them a chance. really uh,
2: paying players like it. Yeah, and UCF. N I L baby. Wow, N I L. What? What's what? fired? U
0: C F shots are fired in the direction of of Norman, Oklahoma. From just American kidding. U C F track and field. Let's not forget this team had a hell of a year. Pulled the double themselves, outdoor and indoor champions. Just the third time in program history that they've done that. First time since they've joined the American. Uh, and numerous numerous athletes going to the N C A A championships the winner 97 percent of the fan vote and of course they win the overall vote from us ucf softball uh could this one could have gone a bunch of different ways but i eric i think the fact that they won that regional they got over that hump you know that a lot of ucf teams are trying to have been trying to do over the years basketball volleyball among them you know they were the first ones to do it and they find and they did it in spades What a year for Cindy Ball Malone and everyone at UCF softball.
2: Yeah, that's what separated them from the pack, uh, was the fact they got to host a regional, win the regional, and advance to the Super Regionals, which is basically the round of 16. To put that in perspective, since 1999, where pretty much all sports went to the field of 64, only five now UCF teams in a field of 64 tournament have advanced to a round of 16. The women's tennis... Mm-hmm. Uh, with Brian the last couple of years, which uh, as well as women's soccer 2011, when they got to the quarterfinals and then 20, the now I want to yeah. mention people are going to wait a minute. What about men's soccer? They meant to the two sweet 16s. Those were 48 team field and a 36 team field. Not that that means that, you know, it's still a big accomplishment, but just, you know, 64. So overall yeah, buys
0: you... a couple of times, I think too. correct. Got so the buy in slightly, uh, 19, slightly easier path.
2: Still though, if you want to include them seven UCF teams ever, have gone to the round of 16 or super regional in the history in division one era. That's incredible. Uh, and that's what separated them. And this team one of Bryson, you were there. The, 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 there was a romantic part of this. Like, it, you know, we've seen this very rarely. We saw this with football in 17, how the city, the community, casual people jumped on the bandwagon uh, to some extent men's basketball in 19. This softball team, grabbed a lot of people's attention uh, and, and, and fanfare that we haven't seen very often and really is going to pay off here moving forward. They picked up a lot of
1: fans. Yeah, I think the the big appeal, you mentioned what's what separated them from the pack. And I actually think that it comes to, it comes to this the reason is they went where they went where no, where they had not gone before. And let me explain. So, UCF volleyball great year they've been to the second round before they still didn't get past it UCF women's golf they've been to the regional plenty of times under Emily Marin you know there's nothing new nothing new there it's still amazing but nothing new women's basketball they did make it to the NCAA tournament before they just got their first win and I do and they did get a vote in the category and I do agree that women's and I think that women's basketball is a clear number two here then, but the, And then you have track and field, who, of course, are, are coming off of Renaya Jones. They've sent athletes to the NCAA championships before. Nothing new there. What is new is UCF softball not only hosting a regional, but winning it and going to the super regional for the first time ever. It doesn't matter if they go up against the 1920 New York Yankees or whatever. Um, they <laughs> they went where they have never gone before and people are attracted to that this is something that they've never done and the, the fans were a part of that they embraced that and that's what really separates them from the separates them from the pack and why they doing it in dramatic
2: ways too yeah. Many, like mentioned the georgia game the michigan game. similar to the football team in 17 right south florida game very dramatic memphis dramatic peach bowl dramatic uh, th- there's some a flair for that, Drew. Drew, I mean, am I right on this? I mean, there's this team. This team uh, attracted non softball fans, casual fans. That a lot of UCF fans supported there, but non UCF fans too. Sub- jumped on this team. I mean, there were a lot of people that were happy in in the non UCF fans in softball that they got an opportunity to host. They, they people got behind them.
3: Well, one, you uh, know, everyone likes a winner. Yeah, you know, it's easy to follow a winner, and and you know, the, the team was winning. That helps. One, two. They were in the spring. Uh, there was less competition. You know, look at volleyball was stuck being behind football. Football, while not winning so much, takes up a lot of attention and time. You only have so much to give, so that hurt volleyball's uh, numbers. Because I mean, look what they've done. I mean, the, to say that they're a dynasty in the American is is a very accurate statement. They are a, a you know, they are a viable dynasty in the conference. And what they've done is nothing short of amazing, but it's overshadowed by the fact that, you know, people pay attention to other sports first, you know, soccer, you know, never really got the due attention it deserved when it was having its heyday because of when they were playing. So softball took advantage of the fact that there was really nothing going on at that time. You have them in baseball and track and softball is the easiest foul. And I think the other X factor is ESPN plus Uh, the exposure that comes Good point. With, with ESPN Plus has been able to bring in casual fans. Because here's the truth. Softball is actually a lot of fun to watch. Uh, it's faster than baseball. Uh, it, it, the nuances of the game are, are different. And it's it's easy to really enjoy and get into. And I think a lot of casual fans had the opportunity to do that. And they went from casual fan to, to real fan. And, and I think they're going to continue to follow it because – uh, especially the momentum. Cindy Bob Malone signed a new contract. She's going to be here for a while. You have momentum going into next year. It's not like you had to hit the reset button. There's plenty of talent there. And I think it's only going to build from, from where you got now.
0: And I think this proves a, a point that, you know, administrators and coaches have been making this point to us and to the fans for a long time, but it really bears repeating. Look at how much of an advantage it was for UCF to host, right? Bingo. to host that host that regional and it's and they why sold out. and they sold out so it looked great on TV it was sold it was sold out huge huge advantage for the team in competing there um that's why these coaches fight so hard you know for, in those non conference schedules to try and put themselves in a position to us and this was why and you know, we talked about the story of the year too in the Big Twelve it's going to be even that much. It, for, I don't know if it's going to be easier because the competition is going to step up big time one way or the other. It gives you more
2: room for error. It it does give you more
0: room for error. Right. And this is why fan investment, uh, you know, not just, not just through season tickets, but donations, the commitment that UCF has made. We saw that we saw the fruits of that in UCF softball this year, what that can mean for not just a team, but the program in general, and I think that's you know that that it's, it's it's just a little bit of a preview, Eric, for what we hope that we'll be seeing once UCF gets to the Big Twelve in July of 2020. Well, and the
2: fan support too. UCF was 21st in the country in attendance, total attendance in college in softball, Division One. And if you ask those players, Bryson, we asked those players, those fans made a difference in the regionals. The alumni just cheering on the starting chance makes a difference, and that's the other reason why you want to host. Because your fans are, you have the fans on your side instead of going up against thousands of people on the other side. That was a big factor in all this, and that's the momentum that Drew was talking about, Bryson. That's carrying over for softball. And I think will also carry to the other sports. I have a feeling that the other sports, starting with volleyball this fall, they saw that. And that's going to motivate these people are competitive human beings. Okay, we learned that
0: in these polls, man. Oh my goodness! The volleyball and the softball people, and the baseball people too. Like, and I'm not talking just talking about the fans. I'm talking about the players, yeah. the the
3: parents, and the coaches. Man, they got competitive about A this. A news organization picked up on this. Uh, you know S N N in Sarasota picked yeah. up on this. I mean,
1: yeah, it's you know the competition's legit. It is legit. Let's yeah. not forget, gentlemen, that we are getting like let's let's really take stock of the athletes that we're going to be seeing play over the next 365 days. McKenna Melville, Renaya Jones, Jada Cody, Shannon Doherty, Ryan O'Keefe, Luca Dorado, Caroline Delisle. I mean it's like, a terrible day
0: and you see back. I've <laughs> all coming back. I mean,
1: and who and Jeff and more than and more likely than not, Jeffrey Pena. I mean, let I mean, I'm just kind of overwhelmed of looking at this and uh, thinking like, holy crap, like how I I mean, I guess in terms of like just overall athletic department is like, I don't know if we'd had as many stars playing at well, the same time and yeah. A long time, if not ever. Well, and
2: think about the teams too. Softball brings back pretty much their entire offense. Pitching's the big question there. They got to figure out they lose Mancha and Woodall. Volleyball re- loses w- uh, Watson and Moravik, but return a strong nucleus from a team, Jeff. That we yeah. saw they're what five swings away from the round of sixteen. I think that the, the deepest in any division one volleyball you see a volleyball team has ever gone. Like no team has ever been closer to the round of sixteen than this past year's volleyball team. Track and field, my goodness. I feel like they're all freshmen and sophomores they're all coming back basically they're, they
0: have the they have the steepest upward trajectory yep. mm-hmm. i think of any program right now track and field and i'll tell you that i do think that we're due for you know we, we talked a little bit about like how big you know this year is for the has been for the women's sports i think we are due for for a real tra- uh, upward trajectory for the men's sports um as well i think that you know football expectations are going to be high uh, I'm interested to see what men's basketball is going to do with a roster that's that's kind of been completely retooled. Um, you know, what are we going to see from men's soccer? I know that I know that you know, Coach Calabrese. I that's the team. Half, I half think the is,
2: roster is like, going to be new. The American right. is, uh, even though it's the same league, it's a in a way it'll it's be a, a little league. tougher with those yeah. new teams. Yeah.
0: yeah, with you know FIU joining joining the fray in Charlotte uh, and a couple others. It's going to be uh, it's going to be wow. We have a lot to look forward to in 2022. 23 and uh man what are you going to it's our last year in the american you guys remember how we did in our last year in conference usa how many conference championships ucf won
2: i remember we got screwed in tulsa in football i do recall that
0: i still think that some guy jumped off the sidelines and made a tackle uh, in that championship
2: game. So i something weird I, so I think women's soccer may have won the conference title there volleyball was in the
3: title game i think that year uh, it's no so believe- different than when they left the Atlantic sun. You know, they, they were dominating that conference too, yeah. when they moved on. It's
2: going to be interesting though. And by the way, something to keep in mind, this is the last year the UCF will get to host any comp potential conference championship games. Like if football, this is it because the big 12 in football plays in a neutral field. Uh, all the, all the other sports are on neutral fields in the big 12, so this is the last time you could see you see a potentially in football or men's or women's soccer uh, host a conference championship game. Yeah, that's a good point. Oh,
3: I mean, yeah. All the other sports uh, just bum me out. They, saying are not happening. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I you know
2: there's other stories. The, the thing we got to get through. By the way, we said this last year. You did not come through on this. You are, you are you are you are our Tampa bureau. We got to get you out to see McKenna Melville in person. Maybe not if you can't make it here. You got to go watch her in Tampa. You know, so especially this will be the last time UCF USF playing in conference. You know, UCF's going to a, a, the Ameri- uh, the Big Twelve. USF's you know going to stick, you know, going to get beat up by FAU now for the next decade. <laughs> but you got, we got to get you out to some of these Olympic sports. That's the goal here. That's the well, new goal. Well,
3: we made we made improvements from the first year to the next year. So if if we make incremental improvements, that's what matters. <laughs> I, I tried to get to a volleyball match. Uh, during one of the, the football Saturdays, I think it was the Boise state day. Uh, didn't quite work out that day kind of went a little bit sideways for obvious reasons. Yeah, yeah uh, So uh, that didn't happen, but yeah, I, I, yeah. Um, if you haven't been to a volleyball match, she's a living legend. She's arguably to- do it now, <laughs> do it now. You have, She may be top three athletes ever to, you know, play at UCF period and dominate her sport. You know, her, He's Michelle, 510
0: and he, kills away
3: from top 10 all time. Yeah. I mean, we're, Division we're one, talking regardless about regardless time. Great. You may, you may think like Blake Bortles is the best editor, but you know, McKenna Melville is looking at all time ever in NCAA We're you know, we're, we're talking major record books. Uh, so, I mean, you don't get that every day. <laughs> Yeah. So you, you get, get to chance, watch her. You, you
2: get to watch her. Jada Cody, UCFO. They're going to be in Clearwater for the ESPN tournament. Uh, Mr. Drew Glukoff. That could be right up your alley as well. We got it's a lot of, of options.
3: Forty-five for minute here. to an what hour we've drive. Learned,
1: what we've learned is we're not going to send you to men's basketball. We, we did learn that lesson. <laughs> yeah. okay. Let's not forget with McKenna <clears throat> that last year McKenna had a had a major case for female athlete of the year last year, but she ran into Reniah Jones breaking out breaking out. This year she ran into Jada Cody. Breaking a long long-standing record. I mean, I'm I think this could be McKenna Melville's year coming up, barring some other bar like just Herculean achievement that I can't ever even fathom happening. She's too good and her numbers are too we good. we take
0: her for granted, <laughs> is what you're telling me. I well, listen, one thing we do not take for granted. Is you the fans helping us out with these awards? You've been great the last three weeks in voting for. We really record breaking a uh,
2: Rec- voter yes. turnout. By the way, thousands, thousands, of insane voter numbers. Like our, I mean, my goodness, it's insane.
0: Really appreciate it to you. Really appreciate it to all the athletes who shared our content on social media and campaigned a little, bit. champagne and campaigning as as uh, as Jalen Rose likes to say. We really appreciate you guys doing that for us. That's tremendous, and the teams as well, the coaches. Uh, the administrators the assistants everybody you know we do this for you guys because we want to honor the achievements that you've made in the course of in the course of your year so congratulations to all of you and we look forward to a lot of fun in 2022 2022 2023 so with that we conclude the 2022 black and gold Banneret awards show which means we put a final bow on the 2021. 2022 athletic year at UCF, which also means we start next week, our look ahead to the 2022, 2023 year. And we start looking at some football preview content, Andrew, because we've got to, you know, we got some stuff going up. We got media day for the conference coming up. We're going to have media day at UCF coming up. I think fairly soon. We haven't seen, I haven't seen a date yet on that, but uh, we're expecting it to come by pretty soon. Um, you know, we're, we're already doing, we are already being asked to vote in like preseason polls and stuff. Uh, and uh, yeah, like this is going it, to, it, it's going to start to get, it's going to start to get real next week. We make the transition from the end of one year to the beginning of the next.
3: Or There's no rest for the Wicked. And you know, <laughs> that's why well, yeah. Kyle's
2: not here. He's just camping out for the, you know, for the, for getting ready for practices and everything. He's probably <clears throat> camped out somewhere.
3: Yeah, he's hang- he, he and, and Trace Trolko have tents set up waiting. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I got
0: well, right outside the Wayne Dench, yeah, yeah we'll yeah. leave it right there. But we are so thankful to you, and I am thankful to you guys, Eric, Bryson, Drew, thankful to Kyle, thankful to Derek, thankful to Noah, thanks to all the uh, you know, Jeremy and Danny who were with us earlier this year. Um, you know, everyone who has helped us out with content, thankful to the SIDs at UCF. Um, many we wish of which have, them well
2: on all their movements.
0: Yeah, we wish a bunch of them well. a bunch of them have actually left the office and moved on. Uh, but we're so thankful to them for not just this past year, but all the years that they've spent with us. Um, thanks also to John Heisler, who's been who's been so good to us and helping set things up and uh, set up amazing interviews and 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 runs a tight ship over there. Thanks to John. Um, you know, wow. I mean, every year I'm in awe uh, with gratitude for everybody that we, that has helped us out. Um, you know, and it starts at the top, Terry Mahajer. Thanks again to Terry. Um, thanks to Rich. Uh, thanks to Jimmy. Um, you know, and, if, and I know I mentioned John before, uh, Jimmy Skiles, of course, uh, you know, thanks to Rich Savosic, who's, uh, uh, who's Terry's right-hand man. Um, man, what a, what a time to be a UCF fan right now, this final year, as we head into this final year, in the American before UCF moves to the big 12 conference in every sport, but men's soccer, where they go to the Sun Belt, of course, which is a big story that we, that we broke. So, uh, so again, thanks to everybody. Uh, and thanks to you guys. Thanks to you, the fans and the listeners. If you have, if you have subscribed to this podcast, we thank you so much. Please leave us a review. If you have not yet, please subscribe to our podcast. Uh, via either Apple or Android, wherever you listen to your podcast. Make sure you follow us on social media if you don't already. We are at UCF Banner at underscore SBN. Again, that's UCF banner at underscore SBN. You can follow us each individually. I'm at Jeff underscore Sharon. You can follow Eric at Eric Lopez Elo. Follow Drew at statboy Drew. Follow Bryson at it's Bryson Turner. And of course, follow Kyle at the SOTG for the student of. The game, And, of course, Derek Warden, our photographer, one of our two photographers with Noah Goldberg. Uh, Follow Derek at underscore DS Warden, where he's just freaking amazing at photos, as is Noah. I mean, the, those two guys. Go back and look at that photo of the year stuff. That's really remarkable stuff. Noah's at the Noah Goldberg. For all of us here at Black and Gold Banner at... Oh, don't forget to subscribe also to our YouTube channel, where we provide a lot of video content for you as well, including uh, media days and post-game press conferences. And we will be stepping up our game this year as we head into this, again, our final season in the American before we move to the Big 12. For all of us here at Black and Gold Banneret, I'm Jeff saying Thank you so much for listening. This has been the 2022 Black and Gold Banneret Awards Show. We will catch you next week as we dive into the new athletic year of UCF sports.